Yeah. Actually, this one doesn't make any sound. No. Nice. Oh, yeah, it doesn't. I mean, it's pretty much like the worst. They're kind of uh, all okay, I mean, this. Oh, the nice, we have the really nice. There, uh, okay. Take the, this knob and punch it in. I think it's. I don't. I don't left. have. I don't have that knob. Oh, do we have different chairs? Yeah, I think my knob fell out. You have less stuff. Okay, what if I just what if I just sit like this the entire time? Don't move. (laughs) Hey guys. I'm Matthew Martinson. I'm Gordon McLattery. And I'm Jay Fernandez. This is Beards, Cats, and Indie Game Audio. From PAX Prime 2015. So we're here at PAX again. Um, taking the opportunity to talk to somebody that we are not in a near vicinity to not often. really, yeah. It's once kinda, a year. Kind of on the other side of the country and continent and Stuff. floor. <laughs> <laughs> so, Jay, for those of you who don't know who you are, who are you? What are you uh, that would probably be a lot of people. Um, I am Jay Fernandez. I work at uh, the Research Center. I'm their QA lead. Uh, the Research Center is the Behemoth's QA team. That's our funny little name for it. Uh, you know, Castle Crashers, Battle Block Theater, uh, Alien Hominid, and we're here showing our new game, Pit People. So. Which is cool. Which, it's pretty cool that, like, an indie company has a QA team. Yeah, it's, uh, it's pretty cool because they, um, we, we had a, a smaller team, and then we didn't want to keep sending people home when there was nothing to do, yeah. which happens with a lot of QA teams. Mm-hmm. So we actually made the research center into its own separate entity, and we help out other game studios. Um, so recently, we've done Super Giants games, uh, yep. Capybara, uh, Lovers in a Dangerous Space Time was oh, really one that we just did. Yeah, it's super fun. Yeah. Um, Awesome uh, sounding game as well. So, as well as doing QA, as well as doing QA, uh, I am also a freelance game audio professional. Um, I do implementation. Uh, I do QA testing, obviously, and then I'm also a sound designer and a composer. So, I do lots of random stuff for mobile titles, uh, film projects, stuff like that. Cool. Um, so, we haven't talked ever about QA on the podcast. Other than yeah, other than know, like yeah, it's a thing. never in <laughs> never in depth. I mean, yeah, we we say respect your QA. Yeah, <laughs> and I enjoy that sentiment. Yeah, uh, yeah, it's 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 pretty cool to to be here to talk about. So QA. here's a question: um, since we're indie focused, uh, you're the audio guy working for an indie game that is using, say, you guys as their QA, what can, a, what can an audio person do to help QA do their job? So there's, there's lots of things. Um, communication is one that's it's really important uh, no matter what you're doing. Yeah. Um, it's especially important for QA uh, because there can, be, there can be instances where they might be unsure if something's a bug. Like maybe you want to have a really, really destructive sound effect that yeah. sounds clipped or it sounds low mm-hmm. resolution. Um, it's so. like the uh, film, not QA, but an example of that sort of thing uh, was in film when they did the Star Wars re-releases, when they did the uh, like the bombs in space from from Django. Yeah, it went to actually absolute silence, 
mm-hmm. and the Dolby technicians were like kicking the thing out as like your soundtrack is is messed. Right, right. And they had to go and go, no stylistic choice. This is actually it, we intentionally went to zero silence. Right. right. So yeah, te- communicating those I guess those stylistic so, intentions are yeah, and uh, a lot of a lot of developers actually get pretty caught off guard um, because I specialize in audio. Yeah, I use the knowledge that I have of of audio and how it works in order to write a lot of the bugs. So when I mention things like comb filtering or issues with panning, yeah. a lot of them either never even noticed that was a thing or (laughs) I have to write a bug and then talk to them if they don't have an audio person on board about what that bug means and how you can fix it. Yeah. Um, Like, where do you draw the line as far as, like, missing assets go? So missing assets is where communication uh, comes in handy, but it can be really difficult, especially if I'm working with uh, a third-party developer. Mm -hmm. Uh, So... Transistor uh, has a lot of dialogue in it mm-hmm. um, and th- things like that. And sometimes it can be really hard to know, like, is somebody supposed to say something here or is this supposed to be one of those moments where you're looking at the game and not a lot is happening dialogue-wise? Yeah. So um, one of the things is having a list of all your dialogue and when it occurs is mm-hmm. super handy. Um, it's also handy for other reasons for QA, for localization and stuff, to make sure everything's okay. Yeah, right. But um, that's one way that we can try and tell if there's supposed to be dialogue there. Uh, I'll also um, communicate with devs if there's moments where something just sounds off, whether it's a sound effect that sounds weird. Mm-hmm. Um, I yeah, always, I, was, I was wondering, like, what does it fall under QA, or is that just, like, creative criticism? So, you know, I, uh, it's, it's sort areas. of... It's definitely a fine line, um, and since I've been doing it for a really long time, I've learned uh, to to be very to be very receptive and respectful with how I talk about um, any issues that come up. Because yeah. a lot of times, there actually are times where I write uh, a message to somebody like, "Hey, I heard um, I heard this thing, and like this is what it does, and this is what it sounds like," and it's like. Yep, that is 100% what that's supposed to be. Okay. It's like, cool, moving on. Right. But sometimes... You don't want it, you don't want it, like, them to think you're trying to be a producer. Correct. And and that's the uh, that's part of what I talk about. Um, I have a program that I've started recently with developers working on their loudness standards mm. and uh, making sure that if they're going to consoles that their game is following loudness standards and if they're going to PC even trying to sort of get a semblance of a community of loudness uh, that eventually the the ideal world is all games will be similar so that yeah. users have a good experience when they switch from one to the other. Yeah. And one of the things I talk about is I am not trying to overstep anybody's design. Mm-hmm. Um, my job is merely to make sure that your product is the best it can be. Mm-hmm. Uh, so uh, recently I worked... Uh, with Levers in a Dangerous Space Time on that, and we did some loudness testing, and I worked with them on how to improve uh, their already awesome game and the already awesome audio. Yeah. Um, and their uh, their sound designer was Ryan Henwood, who uh, I actually talked to about it as well, mm-hmm. um, because it was uh, a situation where I feel felt like they could make a change, but I wanted to make sure that whatever 
change it was wouldn't mess up anything with the original design. Yeah. And um, overall, everybody was super happy with it. Everybody commented on how much better the game sounded, and it passed all the standards and stuff. So yeah, great. They were all very excited. Nice. What, like, I know what I think, but what is the, what's probably, like, the most common mistake you get from developers? And, like, when a developer, like, do you, do you work with people that don't have sound guys very often? Yeah, absolutely. We work, yeah. I work with a lot of people. Uh, and then are you just guys. like, well, everything's wrong? So, I mean, sometimes, but sometimes it's also, uh, that's sort of the the charm of the game, like mm. some games, the, the sort of wacky way that the sound is, right. is yeah. part of the fun. Um, the most common issues are generally implementation issues. Okay. Um, most of the time, uh, they're super talented sound people uh, working on it, and the source stuff, I very rarely would be able to write a bug on like a source issue. Yeah. Right. Um, it's, it's usually always panning, uh, sound isn't playing or a bunch of sounds are playing at once. Yeah. Um, you can get issues with, uh, you know, clipping and distortion or if uh, too many voices are occurring and it stacks yeah. and it uh, starts clipping and stuff like that. Or it can start slowing the game down. Right. Yeah. Um, and that, that's sort of, uh, that's sort of like a secret part of audio QA that not yeah. a lot of people do is um, looking at profilers and stuff uh, Fmod and Wise both have built-in profilers yep. that you can use to yep. look at memory usage and stuff. Um, how often do you get to, like, I started out in QA, but I was a very, like, um, I guess black box QA where, like, here's the game. Right, I, yeah, I'm not, no. ex I'm not getting to see any of the code, any, like, right. it's just, just play the game and find bugs. How often do you do that versus how often do you get the projects to actually, like, look at and run the profilers and 98 percent of the time it's all black box yeah um so when i work with external developers um you know, it's it's it would be really difficult to set up a project anyways yeah. where like i would have access to that yeah. stuff and there's mm -hmm. uh you know there's implications with that that totally would so be in, internally though you get to like the two percent of the time yeah. yeah the 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 internally uh working with the behemoth um i have the ability to talk to the programmers, the audio guy, uh, um, or anybody that would be making sound effects for us since we sort of do like a, a communal thing. Yeah. Um, and I have uh, access to a bunch of that stuff where I can actually go in and I can request debug stuff. Yeah. Um, if there isn't if there isn't anything that's uh, in there currently, um, debug super helpful for audio QA. Mm -hmm. So definitely. Definitely recommended for every game ever. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I do. Um, we have we have Wade, who is an amazing QA guy, but our QA team is one dude. It's kind of like our audio department. His, um, his workstation is like this massive wall of screens. Yeah, nice. he has like six monitors or yeah. something crazy, and like all these consoles is just nuts. Yeah, and he's an amazing guy, and he does a great job. Um, but I end up doing a lot of the QA sort of myself on the audio just. Because you know that's we're small. That's right. what I got to do, um, and I know it best. Mm -hmm. um, so yeah, I just the debug tools that I need. Like I always, I need debug tools. Yeah, 
Yep. You know, to, to, to me, to do the job right, I need the debug tools so that I can go, oh, something's wonky, figure out with the debug, oh, this is what's going on, and then be able to go to a programmer and go, hey, X, Y, and Z needs to like work a different way or be fixed. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Without that, it's like, oh, something's wonky. I guess I'll go sit with a programmer for half an afternoon, and both of us will waste all our time trying to figure out what's actually going on. Yeah. Right. Like, having proper debug tools will, like, let the people, like, save time so that people can work on other things and the people who really know that can just delve into it and figure it out. Yeah. And, it, and then engage the people that they need, you know. Right, yeah. It, like, targets it targets the issues so you can say, oh, this is broken versus uh, when you walk into this area, the event is firing 20 times in a row and, like, you know, whatever debug tools you might have. Yeah, so... so why is that going on, Mr. Programmer? Oh, look, there's this piece of code that fires off this thing in five different areas. Okay, I guess we shouldn't do that. <laughs> Not just, something sounds really weird <laughs> yes. when I walk into this room and I have no idea why. <laughs> Something's broken. Ship it. <laughs> ship it. Did the frame rate drop? Nope, ship it. Looked at it for 20 minutes, Did couldn't figure it out. Ship it. <laughs> Um, so how did, how did you get doing what you're doing? Um, I started uh, I started years and years ago. Uh, I was a musician for a really long time, mm-hmm. so audio was sort of one of those things I was always interested in. And I had considered uh, you know going down the road of being uh, like an audio engineer and you know, moving to the West Coast and doing that whole thing. And then when I when I kind of realized that might not work out the best for me since there's so much there was so much competition at the time Mm -hmm. um one of my friends worked at sony as a video game tester and they were hiring and he was like yeah i get paid to play video games and i get to do all this fun stuff with people i was like oh that's cool so i started talking to a few people and then learned like oh like people need audio for video games yeah how (laughs) have i not thought of this before yeah yeah this is what I want to do. Right. So uh, I kept working at Sony. Um, back uh, back then, my my QA would pay my bills, and my audio stuff was very sparse. Uh, trying to build up my skills and stuff like that. Yeah. And then uh, eventually, you know, I became uh, I was a, a QA manager for a small indie company that did mobile games, and then I moved out here and worked at the Behemoth doing QA and audio support. Um, helping them uh, do all their QA and then helping other indies do their QA, which was an amazing opportunity, and I was super excited to do that. Yeah. Um, so the original intent was, I'm going to go into QA to do game audio, and I still do QA, and I still get to do game audio, and so far it's working out pretty well. <laughs> so I get to do a lot of different projects, and then uh, as a freelancer, I also get to work on... Uh, a few projects and do um, a lot of my own designing and composition and stuff. Yeah, right. So. Your implementations must be just airtight. They, uh, <laughs> yeah. When I uh, when I find bugs in my own implementations, it's always kind of that funny thing, like, <laughs> like, yeah, I can't, I can't give them to this, and it's like, well, I wonder what would happen if. I did this thing really quickly and then I backtracked and it's like, no, we got, no, I got to send them this. Like, yeah. I, can't, <laughs> I can't be sitting here testing this right now. <laughs> um, but that is, uh, it's, it's interesting that you mentioned how uh, Clay has you know, one QA and like yeah. one audio pro. And I have run into situations where 
um, the, the question comes up of, you know, why should I have audio QA when I can just go in and do it myself? Yeah. Um, and the answer would be sort of, it can save you time, but I'm not going to pretend like somebody you hire would know the game better than you. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So it's definitely a balance of, um, like with, with the loudness testing I do, you have to play the game for a certain amount of time and then you have to do all these analyzations. Yeah. And sitting down and playing the game for that many hours can be time-consuming. Yeah. Totally. It's it's something that I have to, like, make time to do. I'm mm-hmm. like, all right, we're, we're getting... We're almost done with the game. Mix is pretty good. Guess I got to do the loudness tests. Right. I'm... Okay, this afternoon, for four hours, all I'm doing is playing and recording the game. So even, yeah. even for mixing... And not... Stopping every ten minutes and go. Oh, I found another bug. I found something yeah, I right. want to fit. Like, no, you just just play the game. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I totally agree. It's kind of like um, how I I talk a lot these days about how composers should get people to mix their music, and it's like it's that mm-hmm. other external set of set of ears, right? Yeah. That really helps bring something else. And it's like, yeah, you may know your whole game inside and out, but a, an audio QA tester is going to bring a fresh set of ears, and maybe there's that thing that you just aren't even thinking about as wrong anymore because it's just so, you're, like, You're yeah. so close to it. Yeah. Like. It's it's a step back. I and mean, then we go, like, hey, what about this thing? You're like, oh, oh, crap, right. That was, that's totally broken. Yeah. <laughs> and, like, because people people ask us all the time, what's your loudness standard pipeline like? Like, what's your workflow? So I, uh, I've, I've talked about it a little bit. Um, I have a... I posted a, a blog post on the, the Slack a little while ago, too, with a bunch of the loudness stuff. Yeah. Um, so for me, I don't really do much with loudness standards until near the end of my pipeline. Yeah. Um, I do know some uh, some people that use them for all their source files and each type of source. Like, all, all my ambiences are negative 24, mm. loofs, but my uh, all my explosions are negative 6, you know, and things yeah. like that. But um, for me, it doesn't really come into play until when I'm mixing the game um, or when I'm working with somebody who's near the end. Um, so when you're when you're mixing, the best thing I think to do, because a lot of people get it in their head about these loudness standards and some of the console companies uh, make it very, very, very rigid, like, oh, you have to do this or, you know, mm-hmm. we're going to fail you. And um, some people get it in their head that they, they have to do it the whole time that they're doing audio stuff and it's going to ruin the mix and you yeah. have to you have to change your design and there's actually ways to go about it where you can you can keep all of that so mix the game until you get it the way you want it to sound and then do your loudness testing uh, get a good meter um, lots of the big companies make them and you can even use free ones like Orbin has a free loudness meter that you can use um, it's a standalone though, so if you want one in DAW, you have to look for my right. other company. But you measure for at least 30 minutes. Um, I'll try and go through different parts of the game to try and get like a collection of the entire game. Mm-hmm. Uh, if it's a really long game, like 100 hour game, I'm not going to test yeah. all of that. But yeah. it's just a good representation mm-hmm. of like. Yep. So I'll get. Traveling, uh, wandering, fighting, whatever. Yep. FMV, uh, you know, cutscene, fighting scene, quiet part, and then uh, once I have all those values, uh, I actually I use uh, Orbin, which does logging, so it'll yep. log 
every however many seconds I say, it'll log it to an Excel sheet. And it will tell me exactly at that moment in time what the uh, overall loudness was, what the true peak is at that moment. And um, I'll look through all those and graph those out and see uh, what it looks like. If loudness is good, um, I try and stay around negative 23, negative 24 loose overall. Mm -hmm. Uh, True peak, um, a conservative negative one uh, decibel true peak. That's a huge dynamic range. Mm -hmm. It's way more than film. And then um, there is also a loudness range, which I try and stay in between uh, 8 and 20. Mm -hmm. Um, Anything bigger than 20 is kind of hard for living rooms. That's like film status. Yeah. And then anything lower than 8 can be a little bit hard to listen to for long periods of time. Because there's just not a lot of dynamic range. Mm -hmm. But... um, you know, mobile's a little different. Low dynamic range is perfect for it. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but everything has to be louder than everything else. Yeah, just... <laughs> right? That's that's how you do it, right? Yeah, yeah. just threshold all the way down. Yeah, L1. Yep. Threshold yep. to the bottom. Yeah. Burn it. Perfect. Yeah, that's... It's, it's interesting uh, looking at games that I've worked on and sort of seeing how a lot of them are actually, when I get the game, are getting closer and closer to where the standards are. Yeah. So it's nice to see that... Um, a lot of devs and sound uh, people seem to be taking that into consideration very early on. Yeah. So. That's cool. I'm the same kind of... Um, I don't worry about loudness until the end. Yeah. I work on the game, I mix the game, I make this game sound good, and then I go look at it. And then i like, do I need to take this overall up or down? Yeah, and generally, if, like, if you have your master set to where you play games, yeah. it's probably going to be pretty close. Yeah. yeah. So it's definitely to me it's a it's the last thing you do like it's yeah it, it saves work because if you if you need to make a major change um, yeah. with any of the source or you add in a new ambience or a new music track yeah and it's just you're gonna have to remeasure everything anyways yeah you're just gonna pull things all over the place so, mm-hmm. like and it's about I mean the end of the day loudness standards are are there to to help even everything out, yeah. but we all—it's the the end goal is to have a good sounding game. Yes, right. Like, mm-hmm. and, and the loudness standards are not going to give you a good sounding game. They're not going to give you <laughs> following them isn't going to give you a good mix. <laughs> no, it's right? you, you can hit the loudness standards using like white noise. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah the, every sound effect. <laughs> and yeah, the the last uh, conversation I had with a with a dev about a, about what it would do, like yeah. why why should I let you. Right, Listen which is a really good question. To Why should people do it? It's um, I I equated it to sort of to mastering, yeah. where a, a lot of people who listen to music and play games and listen to the audio aren't going to notice a lot of those really minute changes mm-hmm. with what you do in ma- in the mastering process. But it does have a good effect overall because they might not say, oh yeah, you know that that cut that you did at 3,000, like that was perfect. And it's like, <laughs> no. What they're going to say is, it sounded so clear or yeah, yeah. I didn't have to change the volume when I played that game. Um, and the the thing I, I always ask people has, is, have you ever heard of a game or people complaining that a game was too quiet? Yeah. Usually, um, you know, it, it might be like, wow, like that part's really loud. You know, there's stuff exploding everywhere. And yeah. All this cool stuff is happening. So, uh, and the, 
because the standards exist in TV already, it's easy yeah. to point to why mm-hmm. it worked so well for TV. Like, right. Yeah, you don't want a commercial to come on and blast your ears off. Yeah. So here's a, a a devil's advocate question. Sure. I'm I'm a, a dev, going. Why shouldn't I just make my game louder than everybody else? It's uh, so as a as a sound person, what would you say to them? Um, so it's definitely not the first time something like that's come up. No. Um, and I have I have a super uh, I have a one sheet that talks about all this when I when I approach people about it. But the the thing that I talk about is uh, user experience. Yeah. So yeah, piss off your users. Um, part of what the research centaur does is we do usability testing. Mm-hmm. We'll uh, you know we have the camera set up and we watch people play and then you get feedback about it. Yeah. And so user experience, especially for me, is something that I'm always thinking about when I'm making assets and when I'm doing stuff in game and like how is the user going to hear this and what are they going to do? So if you have your game and you want to make it louder than everybody else's, it could be the game that's on their system that they always have to reach for the controller or reach for the volume control and turn down yeah. whenever they want to play. And if they forget or their headphones aren't plugged in and they wake somebody up because the game starts blasting the music as soon as the menu comes up, um, you know, that's, I try and talk to them about that. Yeah. And Just it's leaving a bad taste in their mouth. Yeah. So, and it, it might not be a thing where, you know, nobody's going to not buy your game because of it, mm-hmm. but. If you made it so that it matched a lot of the loudness standards that other people are doing, it'll just be one of those things that people will not not like about your game. Right. Mm-hmm. So that's good. I mean, I, I think a lot of uh, freelancers and people working on independent games will run into that. Of I think this is this whole loudness standard is a new thing, and, it, and it's really I think gotten into the AAA areas. Yeah. Um, but we've really got to like educate a lot of people when it comes to working on like basically every indie game we've got to educate this is a thing and it's worth following right and that's uh, that's yeah, and every time is like well why do I have to do this yeah. questions like <laughs> more work <laughs> <laughs> um, I seem to remember the story that the reason that it really got kicked off as a thing was one of the Sony execs was playing like just on his console mm-hmm. cycling through games and the little music clips that play with a logo yeah. like one was quiet and one was blasting his face off and the next one was okay yeah, and then yeah, it was yeah. he was just like this is dumb I don't like this yeah and they're uh, they're they're pretty they're pretty particular um, all the all the big uh, console manufacturers have their own yeah. recommendations of mm-hmm. uh, for the loudness stuff and Sony was one of the one of the first to start really pushing that. Yeah. Um, the audio director over there for uh, SEE was um, one of the first to start really really pushing that and talking to GDC about it. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I mean, I've I've been following them, and even when we did Don't Starve, which was before we put it on the PS4, I was like, I'm just gonna follow this. I think it's a good idea to follow. I know I'm a PC game. Nobody's gonna like tell me whether or not to do this but I'm just going to do it because it's a good thing Yeah. so by the time we went to PS4 it was already done I was already within the guidelines right Mm -hmm. Um, 
except I forgot about the music for the logo. (laughs) And I had put that in and it was blisteringly loud. And we got got a bug. I was like, oh, right, I got to turn that down too. (laughs) So I went back and like took the loop, measured it. Oh, yeah, way, way too loud. Right. (laughs) And uh, for for anybody working on uh, PS4 specifically, um, I know Designing Sound posted uh, an interesting article about it, but they have a they have a sweet tool yeah. called yeah. Solfa Looks that awesome. comes with the SDK. So right. yeah, yeah, some built-in stuff that like makes mm-hmm. all that measurement and stuff just like yeah, it does. Way easy. It has a built-in loudness meter and a bunch of other metering. Uh, you can even do like mastering snapshots and a bunch of other stuff from it. Yeah, it's cool. It's super cool. And that where and where do you run that from? Like with regards to your game engine and your... Uh, so, Solfa specifically would be from your PC uh, through their, like, debug tools where they can attach okay. it to... Okay. It sees your PS4. Um, but for... So you need to do it with a dev kit. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, mean, it has to be with nothing I can do at home working with Wise and the build. It has to be... I have to, like, we have to go to the studio wherever, wherever we're working that has the dev kit. If, if you want to do it that way. Um, but... There are ways to set up your own sort of listening station, okay. if you want to call it. Um, PS4s and Xbox Ones have optical outs. They do. So you can you can get the audio straight from uh, the system without any any weird uh, level changes from uh, from a DAC or from a, your PC and then running it through yeah. something else. Yeah. Um, so I actually have a way. There are there are sound cards still that you can buy that have <laughs> optical ins, right? Yeah, which are kind of rare. But yeah. I actually have one specifically for my loudness testing. Ah, cool. So okay. I can hook up my PS4 straight to my computer and then measure with loudness tools directly from the signal coming from uh, the console. Okay, and, and then I get can it. you still work with uh, the Sony tools that way though? Um, or can you just gather the data? You can gather the data, uh, but a lot of the stuff, like a lot of the stuff the tools do are stuff that you can do on your own. Right. Um, depending on the engine you're using. Right. Uh, you know, middleware, like uh, Matt's talked about a bunch of times, is super important, and it makes your job so much easier. And a lot of the stuff that Sulfa can do, you can actually do in middleware. Right. Um, yeah. You know, mixer snapshots and things yeah, like yeah. that. Are, are things that are pretty common nowadays and a lot of the bigger uh... I think uh, I think what sulfur does and I haven't used it so I'm just like making this up sulfur S-U-L-F-A yeah S-U-L-P-H-A P-H-A so I think what it does is it gives some of these audio tools that we're used to and are built into our middle water to the programmer side of things so it like it's it's a easier avenue to talk to them about this stuff and go, hey, can you check this? You don't have to open up my middleware. You don't have to know Wise, FMOD, anything. You're just like, hey, here's this tool. Can you go look at it every now and then? And Yeah, definitely. Um, so I think it's an avenue to get that side of people talking about things and using things more, which is which is great. Mm-hmm. Like so. Sofa. Sofa. Uh don't worry, we edit. I yeah, I assume. <laughs> Otherwise, you guys are really good at talking about things for an hour straight. With that, but we're pretty good. We're pretty good. It's usually like this. This is like in cruise. We get little lulls. And we're like, fuck. Yeah. Um, I'm still pretty. Yeah. It's cool sitting here. Yeah, sitting down is nice. That's not what I meant. Uh, 
I do. I am sitting down as I... Sitting down feels fantastic, except my chair is like the squeakiest thing in the world. Yeah. Um, no, it's just cool. It's cool sitting with you guys since I look up to, to both of you. And last PAX, I think you I interviewed st- I still... Austin Wintry. Oh, yeah. No, yeah, that was GDC. That was GDC. GDC. That's yeah, right. Was last PAX, we... Um, Talk to, to, to Jack. Jack, yeah. Jack oh, yeah. Whatever that. I'm yeah, still, whatever, I'm yeah. still going through this phase <laughs> of like people look up to me, and I get weirded out a little. Of like, really? Oh, okay. A little, little bit, you know. It's odd. I mean, lasts for about five seconds, and then and then he absorbs the energy. And then like my head just balloons. Of, like some up. kind of dungeon crawling blob. Well, you know, like <laughs> yeah, you know, I, I played I played Don't Starve when it was in early access and. Um, Mark of the Ninja and stuff like that. So I was I was already working in games at the time yeah. and was starting to collect names of every other sound designer in existence. Right. Uh, yeah. And you know, of course, the you know, Invisible Ink was super cool. The doors obviously are the best thing about it. It yeah, is. Everything else I did in that game pales in comparison <laughs> to Gord's doors. I mean, like I. I almost had to return it to Steam because I was like, yeah, I don't, I don't know about any of this. And then I opened a door and it was like, uh, oh, perfect, <laughs> perfect. This is it. If anyone anywhere needs futuristic doors, Gord's your man. Yeah. He's, he's my door guy. We're actually, <laughs> Clay actually owns the IP and they're just going to license that one sound. Just the door, the door <laughs> sound is going to be the new games. Yeah, It'll yeah. be the new Red Tail Talk. Yeah. I'm just like, oh, that's the Gord door. Yeah. I love it. It's like the Futurama door. (laughs) (laughs) All right, so I was totally... This is the worst planned podcast ever because because of PAX. This is just like... There's so much going on, and we're all doing stuff. We're all showing games. Yeah, this is my worst planned PAX ever, personally. (laughs) Awesome. Um, So I I put out the call for questions on Twitter an, an hour ago. (laughs) <laughs> all right yeah and, the, and it's blown up <laughs> the, the worst like so, many so we've got one question sweet oh we've got two questions but jacks is stupid <laughs> calling you jack what? His, his question just is mixing yes and, and then i like question tongue, mark tongue out emoticon is there an umlaut no there's not even a question oh, mark. it's not even a, it was it's more just, of a statement. just mixing just oh, which i will mixing. say I, I mixed all of Jack's music on Nova 111, and if, oh. you're, if you're a composer and you have music, get a mixer. Yeah. It's a really and good now, thing. And now Nova, it's getting great reviews as well, the, yeah. the well, sound itself. Yeah, which is awesome. I only mixed the soundtrack. The sound and the music are getting good reviews. It's, which is awesome. Congratulations, yeah, it's, it's a It's a fantastic soundtrack. Yeah. And um, but yeah, composers, get a mixer. I would agree. Like, I, I, mix, I mix music and do... Yeah do things do things on my own a lot but when i get to a certain point it's uh it's just better i've found to give it to somebody else because i get the extra set of ears and i also get some uh some creative input i might not have thought of yeah i still suck at giving it away i just like <laughs> i really like mixing like, right that's the thing and it's it's so ingrained within my my composition process i don't yeah. really know how to extricate it anymore Totally. To, to like print stems that aren't already pre-mixed. I like I would have to be doing a pre-mix and then sending it along to. Yeah, we had to. Um, when I started mixing the music at Clay, yeah, um, me and Vince had to sit down and talk. Okay, what does this mean? Me mixing yeah. this stuff. What is? How are we going to deliver? How much stuff should Vince put in beforehand? How much should he put while he's composing to get you know get jazz about it and then take off and give me? So it was. It's interesting. There's definitely a conversation that should happen there, and, mm-hmm. and especially I think when most composers 
in the indie field these days are used to mixing their own stuff. Mm-hmm. So it is that like mixing is totally as as you go, and you're like you're kind of composing and mixing as you go. So like you're adding all this stuff in. So yeah, you have to have a conversation with somebody if they're going to mix your stuff to mm-hmm. go. Mm-hmm. And what are you getting? What are you like expecting? <laughs> what do you want from this? Uh, Jack gave me rough mixes with everything, which was great. So it was all about just like elevating it. That's that's usually what you I know. do. It's, and how and not losing. There was stuff too that he gave me revisions, and he was like, "Hey, this this is totally lost something. Like, go back and listen to the rough mix again. Like, this part is sort of like lost in whatever you did." And I'm like, "Oh yeah, okay, totally. I get I get where you where you wanted to go, and I you know just mm-hmm. got closer but better to that. Yeah, and it was it was good. So, and how how far was he breaking down the stems for you? Pretty much all the way. Yeah, yeah. God, but a lot of stuff was. You know, eight ten tracks. I wasn't okay. like it wasn't, but that that soundtrack is not like giant orchestral sweeps. Right. Yeah. But Vince would give me. I we. I'd be giving like, like well, especially if you wanted the percussion broken down into separate tracks. It'd be like. Depends on what right, it is. Like one hundred and fifty uh, tracks. Uh, invisible stuff had a lot of like you know electronic and um, like orchestral stuff. Yeah. And that would be like okay, give me the violins. Yeah. And the viola, like give me the section. Section stuff. I don't need like. All the violins. Each, yeah, each yeah. specific. So, so that was where we we're like, okay, what can we group together? Yeah, that's what I usually try to do before. But I kind of do like, I I print stems that are group stems, but that's more for like a sort of mix master mishmash. Right. Yeah. Well, and, and also because it's often for dynamic music, so I need yeah. the stems to be separate anyways. It's it's definitely sort of a newer thing that I've been doing, sending it off to to have other people mix it, and I'll I'll do, um, I'll do like we you described, where I'll, I'll write music and I'll mix at the same time, and uh, my projects are super large and have a bunch of tracks because I'll go into the kick and the snare and each symbol to make sure it sounds exactly like I want it. Yeah. yeah. But I might print those. Um, the last project I did, I printed those. And had them do sort of an overall mix um, with some kick. other stuff. Yeah, yeah, with the whole kick. Because yeah, it's yeah. like, this is how I want the kick to sound. Whatever you do might not make it sound the way I want it. Right. Um, but we can we can revisit it if uh, yeah. you know if it turns out that this isn't isn't going to work out. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was just been thinking about it, some advice to people mixing music for games of, that a composer has given them to them. Um, I think a general rule would be. Um, if it's interactive, if you're going to have to break it back up into stems and parts, however it's going to be implemented, mm-hmm. you probably want to do like zero master bus processing of any kind. Because if you've got a compressor on your master and you're mixing into it, and then you're splitting it back up into the stems, you don't have that compressor on your master anymore. Mm-hmm. Right. You're not hitting it. Unless yeah. you're printing all your stems through that master through first. Master. But you're still not hitting it at the hard level. You're not actually compressing because if like if you mute half your tracks. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, you have to change the, the So the you like you if you if you do it you kind of need to do it on your subs of everything because yeah. then the processing will stay that way. Right, right. So it's a good tip. Pro tip. It's a lot of processing. <laughs> That, that is that is a lot of processing. <laughs> so uh, I actually uh, talked a little bit about there. Um, about that so they, I guess it wasn't that dumb, Jack. Yeah. Okay, Jack. Mixing, <laughs> mixing. Um, and uh, oh God, say this name because I'm horrible. Uh, oh, it's Flalaski. Okay, cool. Oh, yeah. what, okay. 
when inspiration motivation is falling sparse, what are your effective ways to kick yourself back into gear? I noodle. You noodle. I, I'm I've, I I'm very good at forcing things out and having them somehow become good through sheer force of will. <laughs> like deadlines, you have to accept the fact that deadlines you got to do something. Yeah. And I just I just noodle on guitar or I pick a new instrument I've never used before and just start plunking things down and eventually what, I'm like, "Oh yeah." What about like, for sound effects? Sound and that's effects? obviously noodling for music for composition. Ah, sound effects. Sure. What about sound effects? Um I've I don't know, actually I've never really found myself completely at a loss. Yeah. Usually I, the uh, visuals give me good inspiration. Yeah, that's um, that's similar. That's similar to some of the stuff I do. I actually work on other projects to try and do uh, just to revisit it later. Like if right. I if I'm sitting down trying to bang my head against a wall, uh, for me personally, at a certain point, it's just never going to happen, and yeah, I'm gonna, right. I just need to come back to it. Um, that's actually how that uh, that Star Mazer track came about. Is I made <laughs> it. To be doing I else. made it when I was supposed to be doing something else, um, <laughs> and it, it worked because I I went back and then finished what I was working on. Yeah, um, won the contest. But I'll, I'll also look at other stuff for uh, for inspiration. So I'll I'll start looking up videos or I'll play uh, play a game or look up videos of gameplay. Um, you know, check out a new game I haven't seen yet and. Yeah. Sometimes stuff pops out where it's like, wow, like that, like that sort of attack was really cool. I wonder, oh, okay. I like, wonder how they made that. I might be wrong, but the route right. I'm going to take to get that is going to be an original sound. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. Going out and recording some things is a good way to do it, too. I mean, just yeah. instead I'm, of searching through your library, just make a new one from scratch. Totally. Um, I'm like you, Gord, that I'm pretty deadline focused. Yeah. If I have no deadline, I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna noodle on my sound effects for mm -hmm. just ages, just because oh I'm gonna try this and I'll mm -hmm. think, oh what's this plugin I bought a while ago I forgot about I'll put this <laughs> on it. <laughs> what oh, are these dozen plugins. What, what, how is the CQ <laughs> different from that? Oh yeah yeah. Whoa, how many plugins can I actually put on this track? <laughs> <laughs> how many plugins can I put on this? computer <laughs> it's i've got a goal i figured out the maximum using patchworks how many plugins i can get on oh this. yeah yeah, yeah. yeah so I'm, I'm i'm tempted to one day go like can Just i instantiate can I like every single plugin that i own on one track <laughs> maybe with and it'll sound because you can put sure. can you put patchwork inside patchwork i i haven't even gotten that far but just patchworks on all 10 inserts of pro tools is like that's like a thousand oh plugins. Gosh. Not quite. No, not quite. I think it's. it's over I think if, if you go to the maximum, Patchworks will host sixty-four plugins. Oh my god! <laughs> it's an eight. It's an eight by eight. It's eight by eight. So it's sixty-four times ten. Ten. So it's six hundred forty plugins. Six hundred forty plugins. All right. Yeah. <laughs> so one day I'll be bored and be like, "Yes, I <laughs> set your computer on fire." Things things die after five hundred plugins. <laughs> Um, Blue cat, what have you done? <laughs> uh, but I, I, I'm super deadline oriented, and I'll noodle away until there's like a no. This needs to get done. So we were doing, um, we're showing off Don't Starve Shipwrecked for the first time mm -hmm. here at PAX, and we had a deadline because we got to get a bunch of stuff in for the demo, mm -hmm. and it just it we did a grind, and it wasn't like we crunched time wise. 
Um, I'll to totally like, I want to make that clear. It wasn't like, oh my God, I got to work 16 hours a day to get this demo done. Right. We still worked a regular day, but it was like, no, it's hard work and stuff is like getting pushed out. And we did it. We got all the stuff Just done. Just slightly we, less iterative. Yeah. Like, and, and there's something right. about that like fire under your butt for yeah. me yeah. that I start to nail stuff like all right, this is it. This is the thing. This is good. Like, and yeah. you kind of just, you, yeah. You, you do sort of hit like that point of clarity when yeah. you're reaching that deadline of like, all right, what do I need to do? And it's like deep breath. Yep. This is going to be it. This is all totally going to work. And then, you know, you get the ball rolling and all of a sudden. Yes. Yeah, that, that, all that stuff in the back of your head just starts to coalesce into like, yeah, you're actually getting all the stuff you need. Like it's all good. And not that, like, it's all good, and then tomorrow you're like, no, 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 this is all bad. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah, I think that stuff, like, walk away. Like, if you're just if you're just banging your head, walk away. Mm-hmm. And it literally can be, like, walk away from your computer. Yeah, stretch for stretch for a couple minutes. Um, I know there was a, one of the guys I worked with back when I was at EA, he always got his problem solutions in the shower. And so much, yeah, not so much a, like, <laughs> not so much a creative thing, but like more of an implementation technical creativity. Yeah. He would be like, he'd spend, you know, like his afternoon, like can't figure something out, like having a problem, he's trying to figure it out, and then the next day he'd be like in the shower going, ha ha, I totally know what to do. Yeah, it happens all the time. Yeah. Be that rush to work. Your brain keeps working on stuff when you're sleeping. I think. Yeah. So taking a break, taking a break is you know, work on something else. If you've got multiple projects, look at something else. Mm-hmm. Just do something yeah. away from things is a good way to... Yeah, if you have time, just stepping away until you're excited to go back to it is nice. Yeah. Depending on how difficult the problem is. So, True. Like, well, if it's writing music, eventually you're going to want to go back and do it. Or creating assets. Like, yeah. I'm always raring to go create more assets. But yeah. if it's like a bug fix or something <laughs> hard that I can really think about, I may never go back. So that's when I just have to grind on through. Yeah. <laughs> that's, a, that's when you just write that note that it's as yeah. designed. Yes. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> There's no sound for the last half of the game. As designed. Uh, as designed. Yeah. <laughs> Don't do that. doing a surrealist thing. Don't. It's, in, yeah, it's, just, it's supposed to be like that. Yes. It's art. <laughs> What is uh, what's the biggest thing you've gotten stuck on? Me? Yeah. Usually it's often, sometimes it's a business thing. Yeah. Like a, like sending a negotiation email or something. Yeah. Those are the really hard decisions. Mm. Yeah. And those I, I do get stuck on those from time to time, and I'm late. Um, music, I don't get that stuck on anymore. If mm-hmm. it's, if it, if you often for music, if I don't get fin- get it finished in a couple of days, I chuck it. Yeah. yeah. You just, it's not going to happen. Yeah. It's hard. I have a really hard time coming back to a song that's been sitting dormant for a while. Yeah. I usually try, I just mash the whole thing out as yeah. fast as possible. Yeah. It's kind of like how I approach revisions and how I've talked about, you know, I use audio suite for everything and stuff. And it's cause like when I come back to revise something, I like, I'm going to throw all of the, what I did out. Basically. Yeah. I just start over. <laughs> yeah. <you laughs> if, know, it's, yeah if it's, if exactly. it's been too long, I'm not going to go like, Oh, I, I, should, I guess I should tweak the EQ on that one channel and it'll be better. It's like, no, I'm throwing like three quarters of that stuff out. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. 
Yeah, that music music's hard to come back to, especially if it's been sitting for a long time. Mm-hmm. I, usually, I usually just end up changing the whole thing anyways. Yeah. And it's like, I don't know what direction I was going in originally, but now <laughs> now that thing that kind of sounded like a punk song is going to be like this weird trap hip-hop song. Yeah. So. <laughs> well, I was, I was, I think it's important. This is not a good work-life balance suggestion. <laughs> <laughs> but particularly for composition, like, if you fall in a groove, like, I... It, I just keep going until I until I right. fall out. Well, I think you get, okay, you yeah, which can mean you which might mean you're working until four in the morning. Yeah. Be, but, but here's here's the thing. Um, in regards to work life balance, yeah, I think the problem the problem is crunch, and the idea of crunch is to me not that you can't work till four in the morning when you're like inspired and, on yeah, something, right. Okay. right? It's the culture of like, well, it's the end of the project. Everybody lives here for, you know, two weeks or a month yeah. or, you know, death march <laughs> for six months or whatever. Yeah. It's like that mentality The like, Hey, everybody's got their core hours. If you're at a studio here, here's your core hours. It's a regular work. like, you know, you go home to your family, but if you're inspired to do something, mm-hmm. feel free to do it. Stay the time, but there's no cultural expectation that you're going to do that, and you're not looked at badly for going home at a regular time. Yeah, right. Right. It's that kind of it's a, an attitude that you know. Yeah, you should be able to like. I'm just like I'm on fire. Like I've got this, and I, yeah, like I I worked for an extra like three hours past. You know, we're through dinner, and then I'm like, oh shit, it's really late. I'm going to go home now. Yeah, you know that's that's okay. It's the like when you like there's somebody doing that and then they you get up to leave at like 5.30 and they look at you yeah, like why glare. are you leaving yeah you know it's like that stuff is the problems right you know and yeah especially when you're doing something creative you get into a creative groove and you want to be for like, some oh. reason I've not been getting getting into musical grooves nearly as much as I've been getting into implementing grooves yeah yeah mm-hmm. when, when implementing is going well I yeah. will stay up forever <laughs> yeah that that's definitely that's definitely my look on that too is if I'm if I'm doing something and I'm in a groove and it's all working out perfectly right now it's like oh no 10.30 like I'm gonna go to bed right now it's like yeah. no I'm gonna I'm gonna keep doing this until I'm done with it and yeah. then if it's four in the morning it's four in the morning but I don't have to deal with it again tomorrow right so and that's the, I think the other part of work-life balance if if you do you, oh I dedicated like 12 hours yesterday to this thing I'm and now so going to like done. yeah Going yeah. to take a break. You're gonna play The Witcher three for <laughs> just as long. Right, like you. That's the thing. You balance it. You're like, oh, I worked extra hard and extra long, so the next day, like, fucked off and played you know <laughs> games for six hours, <laughs> and that's good. Like that's good, you know. Or like I didn't see my significant other because I was locked in the studio. So the next day, like we went and out had like right, yes. you know, quality dinner and like spent time together. Like it's all that. It's all like it's that balance. Yeah, yeah. glad I found one that understands that. <laughs> <laughs> Which you know, officially on the podcast, congratulations for it. You got oh yeah, yeah, congratulations on that Sunday. That Welcome to the awesome. club. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Leveled up. <laughs> <laughs> no, that was fun. What was the last thing you got stuck on? Last big thing I got stuck on was actually a game jam that I did a while ago. Uh, my, it was the the first time I was doing a game jam completely by myself. So I did all the programming and all the art and everything. Oh, too. wicked! Yeah, it was uh, it was pretty crazy, and I just sort of jumped into it and said, "Whatever happens, happens." Mm-hmm. And so. 
I also had to do a bunch of the audio implementation, uh, obviously, and I got stuck on how I was going to implement it because I, please don't hurt me, chose not to use middleware. No. Oh, we're so deleting this podcast. Now we need to find something else to talk to because you're dead to me. At the time, I did not have Unity 5, right. so I couldn't do FMOD, yeah. and I, I didn't want to try and use WIs because I'm less familiar with that one, and it was a really, really short game jam. Yeah. So I I just sort I, of bit the bullet and did it all programmatically and yes. never again. Game jam. <laughs> game jams I will, like, let slide. Sure. Because right? if like, you haven't hooked it up before, it oh, could take you the whole jam to yeah, hook it up. Yeah, like, game jams are, like, a different beast from, like, making a real game. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's just, it's that time crunch. You do what works, you know, quickest. And like you said, yeah, if you've never, like, implemented a middleware, like... Like yeah, that that's gonna take you three days. And again, I got my middleware yeah. implemented. Uh, here's a menu. It's a pretty sweet. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Here's the version number you can see inside my project file. Yeah. No, I was getting Wise hooked up for fantastic contraption. Oh, new project to announce. Yeah, yeah. yeah. VR a VR project with Northway Games. Sweet. And Northway Radial Games kind of collaboration. Mm-hmm. It's like amazing game. game on the Vive. Uh, for and like Valve is showing it this week, but so I I'm like way more hands on with the integration. Yeah, for this just because mm-hmm. I want to know how to do it. Yeah, and uh, it took a while. Yeah, but I'm also learning like how to see how to track bugs in Unity now mm-hmm. and, and stuff, which mm-hmm. is pretty cool. And Colin That's showed cool. me how to actually hook up events through code. Cool. Nice. A bit. So nice. it's always it's always good to know. Even if you're not going to do it a lot, if you can know a little bit of how everybody does something, like yeah. how your art pipeline, how the artists actually yeah. work, how your programmers work. Right. So, you know, it just smooths out, always smooths out talking with everybody else if you all mm-hmm. know a little bit of, well, like... And that programming's so cool. Like, I, I love programming. I think it's so neat. <laughs> it's like magic. But it's just, it is like magic. Um, so my, like, hardest, like, thing that I get stuck on, I don't think is not a... I, don't, I can't think of a pinpoint one thing lately but in general HUD sounds are my like uh, crux I kind of love and hate doing them because I love the like a very cohesive HUD that like almost tells a story of the game just in the HUD sound so I like right. mm-hmm. obsess way too much about them oh, but man. then get stuck on how do I make you know this HUD that identifies this game with a click Right. right, like, what's the click that is this game? <laughs> and just get way far down a rabbit hole that oh, is man. like, you I know, really just, just put a, <laughs> just just put a click in, like mouth pop done. Yeah, yeah. done. <laughs> I don't like that's like my break, my break sounds. <laughs> I need to chill out. I'm gonna do some head. Right, you yeah. know, I I I'm I'm a like. I obsess over things like what limiter are we going to use for all the sound effects for this game? What mm-hmm. like processing are we going to put on the speech? What like how like what ten plugins are going to like mm-hmm. you know do this processing pass? And wh- how are we going to unify the HUD sounds? <laughs> Just stay up all night thinking about it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> HUD HUD sounds. I've actually I've been thinking about more lately since he brought that up. Yeah, um, and I, I'm trying to come up with if there's a way to mix HUD sounds with, like, the user experience stuff that we yeah. do. Because mm-hmm. it's, like... I think it is. It, no, it, absolutely. It fully yeah. defines. Okay. You look at some outside of games, like kid toys that have sounds. Mm-hmm. That's essentially user experience stuff. Yeah. And there there's some that are killer at it. 
that it'll like really do it really well and like really be mined for like best practices essentially mm -hmm. of, of how we do stuff. Yeah, yeah. Negative stuff goes down, positive stuff goes yeah. up. Like things like that are always yeah. interesting to yeah. to see and, and try and think about. All right. So you wanted to say something before we wrap this back uh, up? Yeah, I was I was gonna say that you guys were talking about how it's cool learning what other people do like what your artist does and what your programmer yep. does. Um, for me, especially in QA, I think that's a super important thing because if I know how uh, how audio things are set up or yep. even what engine you're using, uh, I already have a better knowledge of what I should look for when I test your game. Right. So. Yeah. Very good point. Mm. All right. So we're mid packs. Two more days. Two more days. So fun. Thanks for coming out and chatting with us, Jay. <laughs> I like exhibiting. It's fun. I, I love <laughs> I love hanging out at the booth and hanging out with fans and other people. Yeah, it's super awesome. It's super awesome. If you side note to everything else we've talked about, if you if you work on a game and you get a chance to go show it at PAX, Indiecade, the local something, anywhere that you get to show your game and interact with fans, it's really awesome. So awesome. Yeah. Worth it. And you create more fans. Yeah, yeah, mm -hmm. yeah. There's nothing like meeting somebody who knows the game already and is like, "Oh my god, this is the best thing ever!" Like you get so like that's so awesome, or showing a game to somebody and like making them a fan. Yeah, you know, for the first time, showing somebody a game for the first time, yeah. and then like, had, like a dozen people today be like, "I'm buying this." Yeah, that's like super that, cool. Yeah, that's yeah. Sweet. that that feeling is sort of like that warm and fuzzy, like oh, it makes it all worth it. Yeah, yeah, totally. <laughs> all right, so we've got uh, parties and smoozing to do mm -hmm. so we're gonna get to that dinner dinner dinner, dinner is good yeah dinner. yeah so thanks for coming out jay yeah it's super awesome thank you so much for having me it was super awesome to be on this cool podcast yeah. thank you for saying so it's kind of a big deal i guess i think some <laughs> i think some people have heard of it maybe possibly <laughs> in our small corner of the industry I'm just yeah. glad you guys are getting back into, you know, the core of the real podcast where it's beards, even though mine's not as cool as your guys's, and cats. And <laughs> I have three at home, so. You're good. You're good. That's good. You're I'm that guy. You're that guy. <laughs> <laughs> All right. With that, we're done. Yeah. Goodbye.